What is up, everyone? Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Platform Podcast. Thank you so much uh, for your patience and all the kind messages I got from uh, my listeners pushing me to get a new episode out. It actually meant a lot to me to know that people are uh, listening and that they look forward to the content I'm putting out. Um, I took a little hiatus uh, due to the uh, U.S. elections. I'm not sure if you heard, but uh, we apparently had an election and there was some consternation and uh, rejoicing, depending on which side you're on, uh, and a lot of stress that went along with that and then obviously thanksgiving so it took a little bit of time with the family Um, but i am planning to keep bringing you podcast episodes in 2020 and throughout 2021 Um, if you appreciate the content i've put out so far i have a favor to ask please drop a five-star review on apple podcasts uh, and or share the podcast with your friends on social media Um, it really helps and i would love to continue growing the audience so that i can grow my impact because i I really want to help people improve their lives and live healthier sustainable lives and uh, spread the vision of bringing kettlebell sport to the mainstream in america so uh, any support you have in that would be great Um, and if you don't like what i'm doing you know, send me a message. Let me know how I can get better. I'm always open to feedback, uh, but maybe don't leave me a review. Uh, that would be great. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and uh, I also want to make sure that I, I uh, thank my affiliates. Um, and, you know, as we move into the gift giving season, I have a few recommendations for you for uh, some of the gifts for lifters in your life. Uh, Kettlebell Kings has bells in stock right now, but they are selling fast. Um, so make sure that you get in and get an order in. They have great shipping. You could probably still get it before Christmas. If you go and order one that's in stock right now, you can use uh, code TCKB to get 10% off. I highly recommend their competition kettlebells. That's what I have in my garage and that's what I lift with. I love them. Um, Barefoot Athletics is all about optimizing the human-to-ground interface, and they make excellent uh, minimalist shoes called the Ursus that I do all of my snatch sets in. Um, and they also make accessories for weightlifting and then foot and ankle conditioning to, to restore your foot and ankle health back to its natural state, which is super, super important and something I've been working on for uh, over a year now, and I'm really happy with the progress I've made, and Barefoot has been a big part of that. So you can use code TWINCITIESKETTLE, uh, that's K-E-T-T-L without the E, uh, to get 10% off uh, anything at the Barefoot Athletics store. Um, and then as any good kettlebell lifter knows or any good power lifter knows, you're, you're only as good as your grip and uh, Viking Performance makes the best chalk that there is. I'm especially partial to their liquid chalk uh, in the winter months here because it, it uses uh, or it keeps my hands dry um, and, or, and without drying out my skin, which is super useful in these cold temperatures. You can use code TWINCITIES uh, to get 10% off at uh, Viking Performance. And then last but not least, um, you guys know that I talk about nutrition a lot and nutrition is a really important part of performance and health. Um, And Gaspari Nutrition is my go-to supplement company. Uh, I think they make really high quality stuff that tastes good and um, for reasonable prices. And it helps support your health, fitness, and performance goals. You can use code JWRIGHT20 to get 20% off of your order there. So give gifts that keep on giving this Christmas and support the health and well-being of those that you love in the process. Um, Without further ado, let's get into introducing this week's guest. This week, I have Ray Wright, um, who is the founder of Warhorse Kettlebell Club 
and is also the pit crew um, coach at Richard Childress Racing, which is one of the biggest teams in NASCAR. This was a super fun conversation. Ray and I have been interacting on uh, the social medias, you know, particularly Instagram for uh, over a year on and off. And he's just a super great guy doing all sorts of great work. Um, and I had no idea until a post a couple weeks ago that he was involved in NASCAR. Um, I just knew him as a, as a fellow kettlebell sport meathead uh, who was, you know, super good at what he was doing and really had improved a lot in, in just the, the short time I'd been interacting with him. And uh, he's, he's an incredible athlete and a super great human being. And I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it too. I learned a lot about NASCAR and some of the intricacies. Um, I'm actually looking forward to, to catching my next race and, uh, you know, learning a little bit more about it. So it's, uh, it actually was, was a super fun thing for me to, to learn more about. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. I certainly did. Thank you so much for your support and let's finish 2020 strong and kick 2021's ass. Right, welcome into this episode of the Platform Podcast. My guest today is Ray Wright, no relation that we're aware of. Um, he is the founder of the Warhorse Kettlebell Club. He is a coach and an athlete, as well as being a pit crew coach for Richard Childress Racing in NASCAR. Thanks for coming in, man. Appreciate having you on. Man, I've been uh, you know I've been following you on Instagram for a long time and. I see all the, you know, see your posts about the uh, podcast, man. I'm excited that you asked me to be on it. Yeah, dude, I'm really excited. Uh, so I I know you from from Instagram, and uh, that's how we connected, and we've we've messaged back and forth a few times. And it was only recently that I learned that you're involved in NASCAR. So I mean, you're a pit crew coach. Tell me tell me what that's like. What I mean, I have no idea what how what all that job entails. So so <laughs> so educate me a little bit. Tell learn me something about NASCAR. <laughs> Yeah, man. So uh, it's been 13 years. This is my 13th year in this job. And uh, I came in just like you. I didn't know anything about NASCAR. I came from a baseball background. I played baseball at LSU uh, back in 2000. Go Tigers. Yeah, go Tigers, man. And uh, for one college world series with them, man. So it's been a oh, great. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, been a great relationship with LSU. But like I said, that was 20 years ago. And then uh, moved to North Carolina because my wife uh, was here and uh got a job at a local high school met uh two kids there by the name of austin and ty Dillon, who are now uh drivers in the nascar cup series and they told me they needed uh some somebody to train the pit crews man so uh i took a job over here not knowing anything about pit crews uh started training the guys just the way i you know i'd watch and learn and see how that would you know change some some training that I did. And then as I was watching, I just said, man, I, I think I can do this. So, um, right. so, so when you say train now, are you talking about like technically training them on how to get better at their, the fun, the functions yeah. of the picker? Are we talking physical training, both like what yeah. all does it entail? So that's a good question, man. And I'm sorry, I skimmed over that, but it was definitely just the gym training, physical training. Uh, they have a, you know, at the time they always have a pit crew coach, which, you know, coaches them up on the, choreography the ins and out of the actual pit stop i was just training the guys 
you know, in a gym physically trying to help them with their foot speed, help them with their strength and, uh, you know, help them with their, their mental approach too. So that's what I did, man. <clears throat> I did that for um, a full, a year. And then I, like I said, I watched a pit stop. I learned more about a pit stop and decided that I could do it. And look, man, for people who aren't, uh, you know, very clear on an actual pit stop, we're changing four tires. Uh, we're putting, taking four tires off, putting four new ones on, and we're trying to do it in about 12 seconds. Yeah. So it is, that's right and left side. Hi, highly, highly choreographed, <laughs> highly physical speed counts. Yeah. I mean, milliseconds yeah. count, right? It's, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's a big deal. You're exactly right. It comes down to tense, man, for sure. Um, and so, uh, man, after I got involved in an actual pit stop, it was the most fun uh, kind of competition that I've ever been a part of at that time. Um, man, just what goes into it, your car coming down pit road, how loud the cars are, how you know big uh, the motors are. And, uh, you know, you're trying to do a job with other cars zooming right around you. It's not safe. (laughs) Talk uh, about a high consequence (laughs) environment, man. If you make a mistake, like there's, there's a lot on the line there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just so much fun. And, uh, but you know, it's just like any other job at the end of the day, it's, it's good and bad if you don't perform and it's not a very, um, you know, the, the door's always open, man. People are always coming in. It's not a very stable job at all. But uh, so I did that for about eight years. Then I, you know, the gray hair started coming out and started putting some age on me. And, uh, you know, it's a young man's sport. So then I was fortunate enough to have the pit crew coach job offered and uh, took that. And here we are today. And so how many men on a pit crew in total? So when I started, man, there were seven. And then uh, they made some changes and there were six. And now we're at five. Wow. Okay. So it's gone, it's gone less and less. So the, so the mm-hmm. choreo, I, I imagine that means the choreography has to be tighter and yes. you, you've got, you've got to do more with fewer resources. So how has that changed the strategy for you? Has it, has it affected the times too? Or is, are they, are the times slower now than they were? Or have you managed to get faster with fewer people? Man, we have been able to stay almost the same. I feel like a, a, another year or two, um, with the uh, six man, uh, I mean, people are starting to do some some crazy stops, you know, some mid 10 second stops. <clears throat> but with five guys, we can't we can't get too close to that. I have seen some guys do some some high 10 second stops, but I mean, it's it's a lot closer than I thought it would be. That's for sure. I'll tell you that we, we the NASCAR community, man, <clears throat> you got a bunch of people who are looking for advantages everywhere, and if the rule book don't state it or if the rule book isn't clear. Then I mean we're gonna do if everything. It's, we if can it's do. gray, they're walking through that gray area as hard as they can, right? Exactly. Yep. Nice, nice. So in a in a typical race now, and I mean I guess it'll vary by distance, but you know, for every hundred miles, how many stops does a car typically take? How many how many times is your pit crew going into action? Assuming things are going well, obviously, and there's not a wreck or anything like that, but just on on average. Yeah. So that's another thing that's really cool that uh, that I think people outside of NASCAR don't know is each track presents something different, man. You've got your short tracks, you got your super speedways, you got your mile and a half kind of cookie cutter tracks. You got a place like Darlington that hadn't been repaved in such a long time. You can't run uh, 10 laps without your tires falling off big time. Um, You know, then, then there are tracks like a Texas where it's a mile and a half track 
it's smooth surface and you're going to run a fuel mileage. You're not going to come pit for tires. You're going to run off your fuel mileage, man. So you could run about 70 laps uh, before you come in at a place like Texas. Martinsville, same. I mean, you're going to come in every time uh, the yellow flag comes out for four tires, but you know, you can make a fuel run on tires, man. And uh, so, you know, your older tracks like a Darlington, um, you know, Bristol will, uh, that, that's been, that's actually turned into a smoother track, but you got those tracks that just the surface, the temperature, there's a whole bunch that goes into it, man. That's what's so much fun, uh, when you get involved with the sport. Nice. And so, uh, this is not going to be an easy question, but, uh, if, if you had to pick one track to recommend for, uh, a, a, a new NASCAR watcher or somebody who doesn't watch NASCAR, if they want to learn about the sport or be entertained by the sport to expose them, you know, get them hooked, which, which race would you say, what track should they watch races on? I'm going to say the Bristol, Bristol, the race of Bristol. And if you, if you're going to go to it, the Bristol night race late summer, that is, it's always been my favorite. I think if you're going to watch it on TV or if you're going to go to it, man, I think a Talladega or a Daytona, uh, where the, you know, they got the restrictor plates on the motors and, and those guys are bumper to bumper going about a 200 miles an hour. Um, I've always been super, uh, into that, man. It's just, you know, slightest, uh, wiggle or anything. You're going to see a huge wreck. So I recommend the super speedways or the Bristol night race. Nice. What's, what's unique about the Bristol night race? So Bristol is a short track. It's a super short track, but it's high banking, man. So these cars are rolling. They're going 120, 130, 40 miles an hour at a wow, place the, like what's Bristol. What's the pitch on that? Is it 30 degrees? What, how, how high is it? Man, I, think high, I, think. I don't know exactly, man. I want to say it's worse than that. Like you can't walk up the banking, dude. You, it's like a crawl. Wow. Like wow. it's a, yeah, it's straight up and down practically. It's crazy. And uh, these guys haul the mail. There's a bunch of wreck in there. And the atmosphere is set up like a coliseum, man. The stands go straight up. And uh, it's, <clears throat> it's not like an open racetrack. It's, uh, it's not enclosed, obviously, but the, the stands are. I mean, it's a circular deal. And it's just they call it the coliseum, dude. It looks like the old coliseum. Yeah. I, yeah, that is that is one that is one race that I, I very much enjoy watching on TV because of the yeah. the uniqueness of that track. It's a it's a very very different thing. I've been down to Talladega once. That was a like you said, that's an experience, man. Like that's, yeah. that is a whole that is a whole other thing. I've been to the Joliet Speedway too, and that that was I mean night and day difference between Joliet and Talladega. Like it yeah, is, for sure. Like no big deal in Chicago. Like you'll get I mean the, the stands will be full. You get people will come in because it's a NASCAR <laughs> race and it's an event and it's fun, but like. Like Talladega, it was like a whole thing. We had a busload of we had a busload of women that came from in, like in their Kentucky Derby gear. Yeah, and they, were, they were turning it into a whole weekend, you know. And like it was, it was, uh, it was quite, it was quite a thing. Like, I, and I, I'm even just being up in the stands, like feeling the feeling the horsepower of the of the cars and feeling them come by and the the wind off of this off of the track and everything like it's just such a unique tactile experience like if you've never been to a nascar race i can't even imagine how much more intense it is down on pit road like the heat and you know like i mean what what does it what does it get down to i mean i mean it's it's always hot i mean it was hot in the stands like how hot is it down on the pit oh my gosh man wearing those fire suits and now you got to wear fireproof like long johns you know uh under your fire suit got that helmet on you got your uh, face covering, dude. It 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 gets like in uh, Indianapolis in July is miserable. Uh, Daytona 
in July is miserable. <laughs> how, how are y'all hydrating? Like that's, that's gotta be a big part of it for your performance, right? Like managing hydration for your pit crew has gotta be, and for your driver. Like, how do you guys, how do you guys manage that component of it? Uh, man, we try to do that the week. Uh, you know, we try to educate these guys as much as we can, you know, uh, at the end of the day, we can't go home with them. We can't make their decisions, but we definitely give them the education and, uh, and we remind them to stay hydrated. You know, we do have a bunch of young guys on pit crews who are making, you know, pretty good money. And, uh, man, they just got to make a decision. If Friday night they want to go out and party, then, you know, they might not be making that money too much longer, you know? Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the the Texas Texas P color chart? There's no. a, there's the thing the Longhorns put up. I don't know if it's still there, but they had a thing. They had a thing that was like based on the color of your pee, you're either a Longhorn or you're a selfish teammate, right? You know, so oh. like if, if you're like, and there's there's scores in between, right? Like, but it was like all the way all the way down on the bottom where it's like you're peeing relatively clear. That means you're hydrated. It's like you're you're a you're a committed committed Longhorn, and then all the way at the top is like you're you're a selfish. Te- I'll see if I can find it. I'll email it to you. Yeah. I, it just ma- it makes me laugh because it's 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 very clear. But I was like, oh, that's that's kind of funny. Like coaches are clearly trying to make the point. Like if you ain't hydrated, you know, you're, you're letting your teammates down, which is uh, an interesting way to, to frame it. Hopefully hopefully that might land a little bit better with young guys, but like you said, young men are going to do what young men do on, you know, on a Friday night, especially with cash in their pocket sometimes. Yeah, man, that, that's a great idea. You got to send me that. <laughs> so now that I got to, I got to ask, you know, the, the obvious question that I ask everybody, how did you get into kettlebells? Where did, where did kettlebells come into the picture for you? So, man, that's a cool question because of what you've been asking me already. It ties into NASCAR. So we're stationed over here in North Carolina. It's like this is home base for NASCAR in America. And um, a few, uh, a couple years ago, man, my first competition was in uh, September 19. Um, Yeah. And uh, so I think in uh, March of that year, we were racing in Las Vegas. All right. So we had a race in Las Vegas and in North Carolina, hurricane, I believe it was hurricane Michael was rolling through. It was rolling through around a time to where we were going to fly out to the racetrack. So the race team wanted to get us out earlier. So the only time we get out there was about two days before the race. And, you know, I don't like going anywhere uh, and spending two days. Um, I like to go to the track, work and get back home man so kind of down about that so i got out to vegas you know and i had my own rental car so i remember in my phone um i typed in kettlebells because i mean i love training before i've been training my whole life um but i've always loved kettlebells and i'm talking like not kettlebell sport kettlebells i'm talking like your cast iron yeah you know the old hard style (laughs) yeah man and i just learned in kettlebell sport that it's called hard style. <laughs> I've been using them for the longest time. Um, when when so did you start? When did you start? When did you start with the the cast irons? When did you first get exposed to those? Um, I want to say maybe uh, 2000, 
2006 right around there okay yeah so about the same time as me yeah that's like kind of yeah. it's about as og as it gets for for most of us in the, in the u.s <laughs> yeah. right like it's yeah. kind of that's kind of when they started they actually yeah, started man. to be a thing in the u.s so okay it was it was uh, it enter the kettlebell from pavel that, that, dude, that got you or was it something I else almost, i almost went to a pavel deal i think i think i saw the price and it just wasn't the right time for me. Uh, that's that's like a block from my house man like the dragon the dragon door headquarters is literally just like a mile and a half from my house actually right, yeah, right, cool. down, right down the road in little canada <laughs> very cool man so uh so you're so in vegas thought, and you're typing on your phone kettlebells and stumble yeah, on the sanctuary i take I'm, I'm guessing yeah google maps man typed in kettlebells and it took me kettlebell sanctuary sound like a cool place and so I went there, man, walked in. Sounds sounds peaceful. <laughs> it sounds peaceful, yeah. Until Moses gets a hold of you. <laughs> For sure. And uh, walked in, Michelle Latour was there. Dude, when I walked in and looked around, I was like, whoa, now, because I've heard of terms like long cycle. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was familiar with the jerk, just a barbell jerk, dumbbell. But, um, but I was always interested in this long cycle. And then, dude, so when I saw how this was set up, I was like, yo, this is this isn't something I've never seen before. Yeah, this is a this is a different animal. Yeah, man. And if you walk if you ever walk into Kettlebell Sanctuary, I love the play, I love how they got it set up, man. It's just it's the only kettlebell gym I've ever been, kettlebell sport gym I've ever been to. It's just yeah. platforms and kettlebells, you know? And uh so I walked in and you and know stall bars. Don't forget the stall stall bars on the walls for stretching. <laughs> Moses right. is big big on that. <laughs> yeah. They'll make you suffer and, uh, on one of those things, I'm sure. <laughs> there you go. And uh, so I didn't want, I didn't really tell Michelle too much. I just told her I was, you know, in NASCAR. I didn't tell her, you know, hey, I've been training a long time because I wanted to go in there and be taught like somebody that, that was never done, it, has never done it before. Yeah. And because uh, you know how it is, man, when you're training people, they always got their, it's so hard for people to kind of erase their hard drive to just yeah. listen, you know? Yeah. You were trying to come in as tabla rasa as you can exactly man and uh, dude michelle took me she told me about kettlebell sport showed me you know how long she's been in it. she showed me her medals and um man i was just then she took me through some things and obviously uh you know we couldn't get too deep but i could i already knew that there was such a difference between a, a kettlebell sport swing and a kettlebell hard style swing and uh and it was just stuff like that that i'm still trying to learn that i'm trying to get better at right now yeah. but dude michelle got me hooked and ever since then man i've been ripping on the kettlebells nice and so you so you went back out there for your for, for your first competition they gave you yep. they gave you your first taste of of sport and uh and you decided <laughs> yeah. to go back out there for your for your first competition how'd you do what, what did you compete at i mean you're 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 i mean for lack of a better term you're a brick shithouse man like you're you're a bit you're a big you're a big strong guy with a square jaw and a big neck and, and big upper body so like you know that comes you can, that comes with uh, pluses and minuses so what what weight were you competing at um what body weight were you competing at and then what weights did you start on well thanks for saying that man um now i'm gonna feel embarrassed for what i tell you <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm wanting to frame yeah. it up because because i want yeah. people to understand like i mean yeah. i'm i'm a big dude i'm 6'1 260 and my yeah. first competitive set was on 16s right? yeah same. Like, I, yeah. I i got humbled by 24s because i thought i could handle 24s and then i yeah. got humbled very quickly and realized yeah I not handle 24s like like these like these athletes can so what, what did you compete on 16s man yeah. and uh and it took me a while 
to get to where I could compete with the 16s. You know, Michelle told me from like when I told her I'm ready to compete, she was like, all right, 10 reps a minute is what we got to do with 16s. And Michelle does a great job with that. She, she does a great job of building up the endurance side of it. But, dude, the 12s weren't no joke at that time, man. And uh, then you walk into this com- uh, this competition and you meet guys. You know, like you said, man, the first thing you're going to do at a competition is I don't care if you're the if you're Jesus. Like, you're going to judge people by how they look. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you look at them and you're like, dude, that guy's moving 32 kgs. That guy's moving 28 kgs. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I've never even picked it up. So behind the stage, I'd pick up, like, a 32 I'm not lying. I could barely clean the 32. Yeah. And I was like, well, at least I found something I'll be doing for the next at least 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I did 16s and I love looking back at my uh, video because when I get down on my technique right now, I'll just go back and look at that thing. And it's like, You're like wow. oh, it was so much worse. <laughs> And then you see somebody like Dennis Vasilov and you're like, that guy's not human. Like how did, how is he, how is he that oh. crisp on every single rep? It's, you know, Dude. it's, it's ridiculous. But then you have to remind yeah. yourself, like he started when he was, you know, you know, a ba- <laughs> just a baby, you know, picking yeah. pick up kettlebells. So what are, what are you, uh, I, I, you know, I know what you're training with right now. You're, you're kind mm-hmm. of between twenties, 22s and 24s, you know, mostly yeah. depending, and you're still mostly focused on long cycle, right? You're, you're not, uh, you're not venturing into biathlon too much yet. I, I see you playing around with snatch occasionally, but, but, uh, yeah. it seems like long cycle is still kind of your main focus right now. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Like, and I do like to snatch. I love to snatch. Um, I just got it. You know, the jerks, I got, I just, I got to work that in, but um, my competition weighs to 24s, man. And it's just like you said, it's dude, it's a different world, man. Like, yeah. so from the 12s to the 16s that, that required work, you know, but it was yeah. like, okay. And then you go up to the twenties and you're like, all right, this is definitely getting tougher, you know? And then, um, those extra four it, kilos are like, a, a hundred pounds. <laughs> it's like, it gets in your head so bad. And I'm thinking like, all right, maybe, maybe, you know, about a year when I get past the 24s, then maybe it'll all start rolling downhill, but I don't see that at all. But, uh, <laughs> I, I think I did that an online competition in uh, on for Israel. And, uh, with, uh, with, that would with, be Sol- my- with Solomon Ruskin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to Solomon. He's been on. <laughs> Shout out to my guy. <laughs> yeah, he's. I love following. I love the detail in his post. He does a great job yeah, with all yeah, his stuff. Does. But uh, that was my second competition with uh, the 24s. I did the USA online, the Nationals. Yeah. And, dude, I made it to like seven minutes. I think I had about three and some minutes ago. I, I had to put them down, man. Like, it was yeah. the 24s. So, when I did the Israel thing, man, my goal was just to make it through. I wanted yeah. to get to 10 minutes. Finish the 10. Yeah. Finish the 10, man. And, uh, man, I got like 47. <laughs> nice. Hey, but you finished, hey. finished, finished the 10 with the 24s? Finished. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's, you know, that's the first, that's the first battle, man. And it's, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a huge mental hurdle to clear the first time you can finish, especially in long cycle, the first yes. time you can finish the whole 10 minutes with that weight. I mean, that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge mental hurdle. I think that's, that's something totally that a agree, lot man. of people struggle with. Totally agree. And that's what like, uh, Kim Fox is one of my favorites, dude. And, uh, 
and I've just learned <laughs> if you can if you can if you can handle how weak she makes you feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, let me tell you, she's a machine. Yeah. She's awesome. Kim and Kim's yeah. a great, great coach, great person. Love Kim. She's yeah. fantastic. But every time I'm like, God, she would just she would destroy me on the platform. Oh it's crazy. my gosh, like, yeah, it's crazy. She's so strong. She's so good. And I'm this, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, you're. I totally agree with you, dude. And like this, this sport has definitely my humility is like increased tenfold. <laughs> But, uh, but you just learn, like, um, it's all about, it's just mental. It's a, there's a mental approach, man. And that's why one of the reasons why I love this sport so much is because dude, you got to have a plan. Like some people can, they can just test for five minutes and know, all right, this is the pace I need to keep. I can't do it. Like I've got to see myself in training, get 60 reps. I got to see myself get 70 reps. I've got to see myself get 80 reps. And dude, if I, if I haven't done it, then I'm not going to be able to do it on a one-off competition. Hmm. You know, my brain's just not going to be like, dude, you've never done this before. And we're not going to do it today. So just put the kettlebells down. <laughs> well, and there's a, there's a, there's one of the unique things I think about the 10 minute sets, right? With a five minute set, adrenaline can carry you for the first, you know, couple minutes at a higher pace than what you would normally be able to do. And then from there, most of us who have a competitive sport background can ignore pain for a long enough period of time that you can finish the five minutes, even at kind of a crazy pace. And you may throw up, you may pass out, whatever. But for, if you've, if you've done that before, you're like, yeah, no big deal. But in a 10 minute set, the adrenaline's gone by minute four, and then you've still got six more minutes to go. So you can't fake it through a 10 minute set. You can't rely on adrenaline. Like your conditioning has to be there. The nervous system has to be there. Like you said, the mindset has to be there because you can't fake it. If the training, if the training doesn't back up what you need to do, like you can't just grit it out. It's not, it's not that kind of sport. Like you can't just grit through it. Like you're, you're either, either physically can or cannot do it because you have the, the energy systems behind it to actually do the performance. Dude, you, you said that very well. And I couldn't agree more. Like I, I even broke down to 10 minutes just, just with myself. Like, like the first two minutes, I gave it two minutes. Like yeah. you're rolling on adrenaline, right? Yeah. So then at minute three to four, you know, then like trying to keep pace. Yeah. You get the and dump, then, then you get the dump where the adrenaline has dumped now. And now you got to yeah. fight the crash a little bit. Exactly. And then from like five to like 7.59. The death minute. Minute seven is the death minute. <laughs> like in a desert, man. Like there's nobody around you. Then at eight, then when the clock hits like eight, you're like, okay, wait a second. I think I'd do that. And then at minute nine to 10, you're like, man, I think I could have went hard. I think yeah, I could have kept that's always a minute, minute seven. You're like, I'm not sure I can finish this. And then it hits eight and you're like, okay, I've only got two minutes. I can finish the 10 minutes. And then minute nine rolls around. You're like, like, shit, I can, I could have gone faster. <laughs> like, yeah. there's always, there's most, always that. There's always that. The most frustrating thing, dude. But I'm glad you said what you said. Like, you can't grit through it, man. You cannot. No, you can't fake it. it on the platform. The platform reveals what your training is. I mean, if, yeah. if you're doing a 10 minute set or longer, like you can't, you can't fake it. It just, it doesn't, there, it, it, it's a crucible. It reveals, it reveals what was done in the gym by yourself or with your team, right? Like it, it's just, you can't, you can't fake your way through it. There's, there's just no way. What is you, so you, you mentioned a little bit about, about mental approach, you know, um, what, what is your mental approach in general to training and, and, and more specifically to, to your competitive sets? Like, what are you, what are you working on when it comes to your mindset and how are you training your mind? Because you, you mentioned that, and that's something that I'm super fascinated about. Like I, that's one of my favorite things about this sport. So I'd love to hear your mental approach. So man, it's changed. I mean, it's changed each, 
um, I don't want to say not each weight, but just where I find what's effective, right? I'm, I'm, I keep it, I keep it changing on whether on what's effective and, and where I fail in the competitions, man. Like I didn't feel comfortable in, in my last competition going, going over from 20 to rep 47 was very uncomfortable, you know? Mm. And that was just because I wasn't doing a lot of training over 20 reps, you know, and that, that yeah. seems so elementary, but it's like, you know, I'm doing a lot of minute on minute off trying to gain strength, gain strength, gain strength. Cause I figure, well, the strength, what comes first, man, what's more important, the strength or the endurance? Cause I, by this, by this competition, I'm not going to be able to have both. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to figure it out. The strength isn't going to carry your endurance and the endurance sure is not going to carry your strength. So I've had to change my training to where, man, I've got to, I've just got to suck it up. And I've got to do longer for me personally. I've got to do longer um, intervals, man. I've got to do six minute stuff. I got to do seven minute stuff. Yeah. I got to do eight minute stuff and I'm going to have to do 10 minute stuff, you know, because I found out I've got to see myself do it multiple times before I can do it in a competition. It's not going to be a one-off deal. I love doing the, the 15 sets of, of minute all minute off 10 yeah. reps. I love it. I mean, it sucks, but I love it, man. Yeah. You know, but then I found out like, even when I picked up to 24s, you know, two or three days later and would try to do like two or three minutes with the 24s. Dude, when I got to 11, my, my brain was starting to go in a different direction. I'm like, what is happening, man? Like I could do 10 easy, but then when I do 11, you know, yeah. stuff starts to fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my brain starts you know, sending the vibes to my arms, man, put them down. And it's just like, so I came to the conclusion, um, if I want to do this, which I do, and if I want to do competitions, which I do, you know, I just don't want to be an Instagram poster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I do want to compete and then there's nothing like competing. Yeah. Um, it's a camaraderie that you grow with other people around the country, dude. Like yeah, for sure. You know how it is. You're around talking the world. To I mean, <laughs> yeah, around yeah. the world, around we're, the world. Sh we're shouting out people yeah. from all, from all over the world, which is, which is great. Yeah. I love that about this sport. Totally dude. Like you brought up Solomon and, uh, I've sent him DMS. I've, uh, you know, there's people Sweden everywhere, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially Canada. There's a whole bunch of people in Canada, but yeah, there's um, some in the water up there. I, <laughs> <laughs> they got, they got a whole bunch of great lifters up there, <laughs> but dude, I've got to have, uh, one or two. And I, I try to have one really good endurance, long, um, minute, uh, multiple minute training a week, dude. I don't know what the proper term for that is, but, um, oh, I mean, we, yeah, call those repeats or, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I, I think, I think we're wired similarly bio biologically, right? Like the, the anaerobic system is, is, is pretty strong. Cause we're used to that, you know, minute on give, go full board for a minute and then give me 30 seconds to recover. Okay. I'm cool. Like I can do yeah. that for a while, but you're like, Hey, you just gotta like jog for, you know, like two hours. And I'm like, what? No, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. going to be driving behind me, threatening to run me over. Cause otherwise <laughs> I'm going to need a sandwich in there or something like totally, it's, man. it's not, it's not my jam. So yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. It's one of those, uh, you, it's just different energy systems. I think you got to get to a point, you know, where, where you're, you're building that aerobic energy system and that you can do a six minute set without it going fully anaerobic because that that's when you're just like, 
you know, I got to put them down. Like I just, I physically can't keep, I can't keep them up because you know, the anaerobic system can only go for, for so long without, uh, <laughs> without you just feeling like you, you can't, you can't carry on any longer. So man, totally. Do you, yeah, uh, whoever... when you do a 10 minute set, do you, do you focus on one rep at a time, one minute at a time, break it into, into like, into segments, or I, I'm, I'm always curious to hear how people approach the, the, the competitive sets because everybody's a little bit different from my experience. Yeah. So I read, I know we're talking about Solomon a lot. I read something really cool uh, about his deal is how he's focused on his technique and uh, getting quality reps and how that makes the time go, man. I just try to carry a pace, you know? Yeah. Um, that's been the best for me. A pace per a pace per minute, and do you look at per it, when do you check in in the minutes? Do you check in every fifteen seconds? Do you check in every every half minute, or how do you how do you check in? I try to so from my training, wherever I'm at that thirty second mark is where you know. So like, hmm. if I'm getting a set of eight and I know four is right around thirty, that's I'm checking in at the thirty seconds. Okay. Um, yeah. that's I because I don't want to look at the clock, man, and like that's. Hmm. Maybe that's what I need to do is just train with the clock right in front of me. Like well, a so there's, there's a number of, there's a number of approaches, right? And it's like, to your point, like, you know, you kind of experiment, you, you test and iterate and you see what works for you. And it's, it's nice to have multiple tools in your tool belt because, you know, with my team, sometimes I'll have them and I'll specifically have them do like, okay, you're focusing on one rep at a time and we're going pay, we're going pace 10, which means every six seconds, a rep needs to lock out. So at yeah. six, you lock out at 12, you lock out at 18, you lock out at 20. And then it's just one rep at a time. And you are literally watching the clock and you're kind of trying to be a metronome, right? That's how you yeah. get that Dennis Vasilev like pacing where you're just like trying to be a metronome, trying to be as smooth with your technique as possible. I have people do every 15 seconds, sometimes every 30 seconds. I've also had them be like, Hey, you got to turn your clock off. What happens in competition? If your clock goes out, right? You have no clock. We're doing a five minute set. No clock. I've got the wow. clock. Feel it. That's cool. Right? Go go with your breath, right? Like yeah. just do an intuitive set, right? And sometimes we'll do like we we had two five minute sets the other day, and I had him do the first set. I said, first five minutes, I want you just to feel it out. Don't even try not to look at you. I didn't take their clocks away, but I said, just go by feel, feel your breath, yeah. try and find your pace. What's smooth for you? What feels comfortable? What's your body telling you? Check in, feel every rep, right? And that's kind of what Solomon was doing with his 32s. Yep. And I said, okay, second set is a five minute set. Now we're going to hold, you know, eight RPMs for the first four minutes and then whatever you've got less left in the gas tank for the last minute, right? So you can have yeah. like multiple approaches depending on, you know, what's going I on. Like the 10 minute sets for me, like I like to do the first five minutes kind of intuitively where it's like, Hey, I'm just going to try and stay calm yeah. try and stay comfortable because that's just the first half. And then I'm going to try and finish the second half. I'm going to check in at halftime. Where am I at relative to what my goal was? And now can I go at a certain pace? And then I, we always try and finish stepping on the gas. Like that's, that's something that yeah. uh, De Dennis Vasilov is really big on that. Um, the St. Petersburg school of Russia is just really big on you always finish fastest in your last minute, right? You always finish with a flurry because it's just a mental, a mental yeah. muscle that you try and develop. Like you, that you can yeah. always finish with a flurry, right? Always finish <laughs> with a flurry. So uh, that's a that's mental awesome. muscle that I try really tried to develop. And I found that approach kind of really helpful where like I divided into two halves and the first half is intuitive and the second half is hitting a pace, you know, but I like, I like experimenting with those things. Like you said, that's kind of the, like for you, that's the fun of the NASCAR, right? It's the different tracks and the different thing. Like for me, that's the yeah. same thing with kettlebell sport. Like, 
what, what are the different approaches that you can take? And then every lift for me is different because I can do that on long cycle and I can do the intuitive pacing and all those things. Snatch, you take away my clock. I'm a, I'm a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't like my clock goes away. I'm like, crap, what, what am I at? Like I've got so many other yeah. things I'm thinking about. And it's probably just cause I'm not good enough at snatch yet. I'm thinking about all these other technique things, but I'm like, <laughs> well, you take away my clock. I'm like, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm at 45 seconds in or if I'm at, you know, a minute in or what, I just know that I've done 23 reps. I don't know if I'm going way too fast or way too slow or, you know, it's, uh, that's it's, awesome. Man. It's a fun, fun kind of fun kind of challenge. So. Yeah. I, I'm the same way on a snatch, man. Like my, my hand doesn't feel good here. I'm going to try, try something else with my hand grip. And there's so many, <laughs> there's so many little pieces on snatch and it's so bio individual too, based on your anatomy and like, yeah, you know, and sometimes it feels like even within a particular set that it feels like you're like, Oh, it doesn't feel good on that angle today. I'm going to, change it up a little I, there's so many little pieces to snatch it drives me crazy it's my oh man it's my white rabbit i'm always i'm always chasing <laughs> how can i get that how can i get that snatch rep just a, just a little bit better that snatch technique just a little bit better but so now you you founded the warhorse kettlebell club out of your church yep. in in north carolina right and well and yep. your garage like i see you post in yeah. various places but, but now you you've, you've kind of really reached out to the youth of your church and i see you've got uh, a solid uh, a solid stable of lifters uh, coming up there how many how many people do you get uh, showing up and what are you guys what are you guys doing man we might get um uh, we might get eight to twelve dude i mean that's beyond that's what awesome. i thought we would get man but and what are the what are uh, the age ranges it looks like you got a, a fairly a fairly decent distribution of ages there yeah man we've got i mean my kids will go out there but besides my kids we'll have like a i think we got an eight-year-old girl she's won the old uh the online kettlebell challenge a couple times man nice you know the fit. Uh, she's doing good. She's getting better every week. But uh, we go from eight. We've got a few kids in high school. We've got some young adults who are you know in their early twenties, and then you know we've got some older gentlemen too. Um, but dude, it's just uh, Moses is actually the one, you know from Kettlebell Sanctuary. He's the one that uh, you know got me put the idea in my head to start a club out here, and uh, he sent out some youth kettlebells for us. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Those youth kettlebells are, are great. I got a couple for my kids too. They're yeah, fantastic. Man. Yeah, it's that's like such a such a good. And he's, I, I've got to get him on. I got to get him on here because he's got such a clear idea and vision for how to how to develop young lifters in this sport yeah. and really develop kettlebell sport in the U.S. I gotta, I gotta, yeah. I gotta connect with Moses because he's he's good people. He is man, and he's got a, such a passion for it. Um, I've got a charity, you know, where we do community work, and um, man, we did a kettlebell camp for the Salvation Army, Kids in the Boys and Girls Club. It was a free clinic. I got Moses out here. Uh, we had 40 kids. I saw that and, post. That was awesome. Yeah. Dude, that post got like, like I'll get, you know, not that I'm a big, I care about my likes. I'm just trying to make a point. Like, yeah. you know, I'll get around 60 likes, you know, but dude, this post got over like 350 close to 400 likes. And it's just because like, man, kettlebell sport in america is is it's got to get bigger yeah and um you know i think we can get it into schools and and that's that's what the goals are man like i do a lot of work with schools with this charity and and i think you know there's so many uh variable there's so many elements that kids can get from kettlebell sport and uh and that's what we started at the church we go out there uh every wednesday we might meet another day uh, to make you know to make it twice a day but now everybody's taking kettlebells home with them when uh 
my garage is getting empty, man. I'll bring a bunch yeah. of kettlebells out to the <laughs> session. Can I take the 12? Can I take the 16? I, yep. I yeah. get that. I've got this. I've got to have the spreadsheet <laughs> tracking the whereabouts of my kettlebells. Cause I got, I've got like, I've got uh, like 23, 24 kettlebells and you know, I got the 12s are with one of my, one of my athletes. I got the 16s and 18s are with somebody else. My brother's got my eights, my, you know, like yeah. doing, doing the same thing, especially during the pandemic when like nobody can get their hands on equipment and people are trying, yeah. trying to work out. And, but like, I feel like that's really the, I feel like that's really the, the important thing about it though, is like you're, you're helping people when they really need it. Right. And that, like, that's the, like you do what yeah. you can, you're like, you know, uh, and I, I think we were talking before we started recording. One of the cool things about the pandemic is that people have really become a lot more receptive to online events and it's really kind of connected yeah. the world in the, in that way. It's made it become a lot easier to, to actually get people to, to train kind of consistently because they don't have the inconvenience of travel. And if they have access to the equipment, they're like, Hey, I've got a thing I can do a community I can tap into. I've yeah. got a zoom meeting I can jump on. I got a, I've got a, competition this weekend that's in israel or you know in st petersburg or whatever and so long as you've got an internet connection and a kettlebell like you can participate which is which is really really cool oh man super cool and like i told you before man i mean israel is like my second favorite country man and like you know i want to go out there and visit one day i was just gonna ask have you have you have you been have you been to the holy land no man but i'm telling you it's coming fast like i'm gonna uh my wife she don't want to go she's you know she thinks it's not a good trip uh <laughs> but uh you know she'd rather go to you know the beach or something like that but they got beautiful beaches they out got there beaches right? in israel yeah, like. <laughs> yeah um but dude to compete in israel are you kidding me like uh, you know I'm, i wouldn't even and that's another thing, man. Like I'm so into competition. You gotta, you gotta tell her it's tax deductible, baby. It's a tax deductible vacation <laughs> yeah. because it's, because it's, yeah. a tri- it's a, it's a trip for the company, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so dude, I mean, there, so many bad things have come from COVID and a lot of people are still hurting. Yeah. People have lost loved ones, but you know, on a lighter side, there has been some really cool things that have come from it. And I think, you know, what you just said is, is one of them, man. Like it's yeah. opened up, I mean, we're friends with people all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I am really looking forward to whenever the, the first uh, in-person competition yeah. you know, that's safe and that everybody feels safe to, to come to. Like I'm, I'm looking at maybe, I'm looking maybe hosting one here up in the twin cities, uh, like in October this year. Um, nice. So I, because I feel like that'll be long enough that enough people will have gotten the vaccine and, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll still do it uh, maybe early yeah. enough where we can do it outside. And, you know, so then everybody can still feel safe, even if they haven't gotten the vi- vaccine and we'll be hopefully have COVID like, you know, mostly in our rear view, you know, not, knock on wood cross yourself whatever whatever you know makes you feel confident but uh like i can't wait for that first competition like there's just going to be so much pent up like energy and come it's going to be crazy like people are going to be just so excited to to be we're going to see some prs and people are just going to be like going going bonkers like i can't i cannot wait for that i'm so i'm so looking forward to that and to being able to like give people a hug and like actually shake shake hands with people that i've that i've talked so much to and like you know that i you feel 
feel like you know him, but you haven't actually met the person yet. You know, like it's such a like it's kind of like harkening back to you like, oh, how did people meet in the 19th century? Well, they corresponded via letters and then maybe eventually they met in person. And like that was such a cool thing because they finally yeah. met in person, you know. Like I feel like we've gotten a little bit of a taste of what that might have been like because you know, we're all we're all meeting, you know, virtually and now we're like, oh, I just want to give somebody a hug. I want to shake your hand. Like, you know, like the little the little pleasures. So, you know. That's hopefully it's given us a bit, maybe a greater appreciation for those things on the back, on the backside yeah. of this. I hope, I hope we all uh, taste the sweet things in life a little bit more um, you yeah. know, and smell the roses more and are kinder to one another and all of those things that totally <laughs> agree. Can, can be some positive things that come out of this, uh, out, out of all this, all this nastiness. So, yeah. so what are, what's next on the, uh, on the docket for you and for, for the team, do you use kettlebells with the race team at all? Is that part of you, is that part of the training? Do you still do the training with your team? I mean, as the pit, as the pit coach, do you still yeah. have a hand, do you still have a hand in the training or do you let, do you delegate that to somebody else who has now has your old job? Yeah, I, I delegate that out now, man. I, there's so many requirements requirements and things I ask of the guys from, yeah. you know, the pit road part of it, which is, you know, the main part. And man, I can't like a couple guys have asked me though, that they want to get in the kettlebells and cause yeah, they, you don't, you don't like me. You're not like, Hey, the team's you're all doing a log yeah. cycle set. And if you, and if you put them down, you're fired, <laughs> man, I totally want to do that, but <laughs> I, you know, it wouldn't be a good decision for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. uh, yeah, so somebody else does that, and they have their own routines. And you know, we've got guys who come from all kind of different backgrounds, have all kind of different histories, and and uh, so it's you know it's a it's a good training for them. And but like I said, you know, a couple of my guys do follow on Instagram, and you know, they see me, uh, you know, when I was on a pit crew, man. Yeah, uh, I was training every day, and and then they saw you know a year or two. I saw young after. young young black haired Ray Wright in his, in <laughs> yeah. his fire suit you posted the other day. I saw that picture. A lot less <laughs> lot less salt in that pepper back in the day. <laughs> there ain't no doubt, man. Yeah, it's crazy. It happens fast, man. Yeah, it's coming up, man. I actually had my daughter, like you can see, I got my, my beard grown out and I got this like one little yeah. white spot that's coming in here. And my, my daughter's like, daddy, your, your beard is getting gray. And I was like, yeah, you think I can be a Santa Claus in a few years? And she's like, yeah, maybe like next year, <laughs> you know, the honesty of a six-year-old, Yeah, <laughs> you know, she's also uh, a little bit of a smart aleck, which I love. About her. <laughs> she, yeah. she knows how to land a joke. She knows how to get, throw, throw a barb in there now, which is, which is good. So it makes, makes me laugh man so what's next for you as far as goals for for your own training then um so master uh, sport get it yeah <laughs> um i'm doing the competition in uh february i think it's uh run by dennis isn't it down yep, in the, yep. the iko yeah. world championships february 20th yeah. and 21st for for people that don't know it's uh kettlebell kings is sponsoring that and it's going to be via live stream um and the uh, orange kettlebell club so it's kind of in in conjunction with those those two organizations and the kettlebell kings is sponsoring it and, and i think helping facilitate the technology components of it so yeah that's uh that's a big one right that's the world yeah. championships for the iko oh. so well, I don't know. I thought I was going to do it. Maybe I don't. Do you got to qualify for it? No, no, no. It's okay. open. It's open registration. Yeah, it's open right, registration. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. And uh, man, I got to get to 60 reps with these 24s, man. I feel like I can do it. And uh, 64, six, seven, six, seven, six, seven, six, seven. Finish with a flurry. You'll get, you'll yeah. get at least 64, and that gets you rank. That gets you rank one, and I think in our in our in our weight class. Very cool. 24s, right? Because you're in the one. Are you in the 105? 
are you are you are you svelter than me are you are you in the 95 or 85 yeah man like I, i'm gonna try to be uh i, I still have trouble converting i gotta use a cal- calculator but <laughs> um, are you under 231 pounds or are you are you yeah like okay. i should be under i should be man I, I i need to be like at 195 okay yeah, yeah. so then you could you i mean if you can so if you can cut from 195 to 185 just with water weight you could compete in the i think the 85 kilo division right i think if oh. my math right so but okay. you got and that means you need to get like 62 or you know it, it cuts off a yeah. couple of reps that you need to do to to get ranked so yeah mm-hmm. definitely uh check out check yeah. out the ranking tables and figure out what your what your strategy is because uh I yeah think that's i think that's that's totally doable man like yeah, man. So you got nine nine more weeks to train, right? And you last yeah. you've been you've been training. It's not like you know. So to, yep. I think you, you're you're currently doing you know, eight eight mm-hmm. RPMs most of the time, right? So yeah, you know. And Kim Fox told me you know I should have got uh, seven reps a minute uh, back in the summer. So I've let her down drastically. And, uh, so. That, I'd love to get that. And like I said, man, never know what can happen in that last minute because that's what's awesome about the freaking brain, the human body, and just what it can do and the limits, on the unfortunate limits that we put on it that we don't yeah. even know. I still feel like we're not scratching the surface. You know, yeah, there mostly are, a self-drawn circle. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah, exactly, exactly, man. So that's what's frustrating, you know. Yeah, but you keep put you keep pushing that like that's I think that's like you said like that's what I love about kettlebell sport and you get the opportunity to expand that circle a little bit every time right you're like yeah like man I can't I can't hold up ten RPMs for six minutes and then you do it and you're like okay maybe I can and then yeah. like, oh, maybe maybe I can do ten RPMs for for seven minutes and then you know and then you do that you know like it's just you know, incrementally you just you just expand that bubble a little bit and those limitations keep getting a little bit little bit less concrete you know I think that's you're exactly right like, you make yourself do the hard thing a couple of times a week <laughs> let yourself recover from it because it, it does beat you up a little bit and then go back yeah. and go back and go back and do it again yeah so that's that's awesome man well i i really appreciate i really appreciate having having you come on i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you the uh the, the one that I, I usually ask people at the end which is if you could give one piece of advice to a brand new lifter right what is the one thing that you wish you knew when you started now that you're now that you're a couple of years into the journey, what is the one thing you wish somebody had told you when you started that you would tell a brand new lifter? Oh, I, that's a great question, man. I would say, especially if you're a middle-aged man, <laughs> check your hum- humility at the door, man. Yeah. Um, just come in, enjoy the sport. Don't make it a job. I think it can fall into that. You know, it can, it can turn into a job and you can watch other people on, on your Instagram pages that are so much better than you are. And, uh, and just understand it's a process, man. Be patient with it and enjoy it. Enjoy the small victories. Look back at a video. Of course, if you're new, you can't do this. But after your first year or two, man, look back at where you started. See how far you've come. Remember when you couldn't move the 16s for like three minutes at 10 reps, you know uh 10 reps a minute and then just don't and don't uh just skim over those accomplishments man like i think we do that a lot like oh i'm supposed yeah. to do that or i'm supposed to no you could have quit you know you could have stopped and given it all up and just sat on your couch and watch netflix you know yeah but uh appreciate where you where you started and or appreciate where you where you're gonna go man 
Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's really, you're right. Like, especially those of us that are right, you know, real right brain goal oriented. It's like, <laughs> yeah. gotta get to that goal. Gotta get to that goal. Gotta get to that goal. Okay. Did that. What's next? Like, yeah. no, no, enjoy that. Right? Like, yeah. You didn't even taste the champagne, man. You're already, you're already <laughs> thinking about what, what's next. Right. Like that's yeah. the funny thing about, about achievement is like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a drug in and of itself. Yeah. Like you got to get that next, got to get that next goal. Got to get that next goal. Right. Like yeah. we don't even stop and savor the ones that we achieve. I think you're totally right about that. Yeah. You, you said that better than I did, man. And that's, it's like, I'm, really dude, good at, the- I'm really good at recapping what other people say. It's not so much, uh, it's the synthesizing. <laughs> I, I get the easy part. I just have to repeat what you said back. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's right, man. Like taste the champagne. I like that, man. Taste the champagne. Well, Ray, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on. I've really enjoyed the conversation with you. I can't wait to meet you in person. And uh, yeah. I know we'll, I know we'll connect on the gram and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you at the, uh, at the IKOs and hopefully uh, in person at the twin cities uh, open whenever we ha- whenever we actually get that to happen or at a, an in-person event uh, sometime earlier than that would be awesome, man. Yeah. Hey man, thank you very much. I enjoyed it too. And Man, schedule, try to schedule that event when we're in town racing, man, so I can make it a, a – <laughs> Y'all come to the Twin Cities? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, if you're in Joliet, I mean, we race uh, in I'm, Joliet. I'm in, Min- I'm in Minneapolis now, but when you're up in Joliet, yeah, I can I can make it close to that. Yeah, that's that's actually how far. Idea. How far is that? About a six-hour drive from seven, – well, seven hours from Joliet. If you're coming from Joliet to the Twin Cities, about seven hours. Hey, man. It's not, the, the road it's not unreasonable or, or, a, or a night or a 60 minute flight up, up, get your yeah. peanuts served, eat those and then land basically like the yeah. very, very quick flight from, uh, from Southwest. So. Yeah. I'd do that in a heartbeat, man. All right, cool. Well, <laughs> I, I will, I will look into that. That's, that's a good idea. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Jordan. Great talking to you, man. I'll, I'll see you out there. You too. Sounds good. See you, brother. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. I'm Jordan Kundi Wright. If you have a question, please email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub, on Twitter at TCKBClub, online at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com, and please help us grow our reach and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.